Hey everyone, it's the She's the Owner podcast. I'm your host, Kara McCarran, and this is episode 113. And another Tony uh, family member, I'm going to say, is on the show. And I know it seems to be the theme, but they're just awesome. And there's so many of us and I love talking to them. So today we have Vinu Keller. And so her and I connected. Um, I actually saw her do leadership. She's one of the trainers who did a talk um, on, uh, for Leadership Academy in October and her and I connected there and she's been in the community forever. And um, so we just had it, we're catching up and having a chance to connect now. We had a whole chat about UPW that just happened. And so now we're recording, now everything's official and on the record. So welcome to the show. Thank you for coming and um, tell us a bit about your journey and how you, you know, what you're doing and how you got to where you're doing. And then we'll just chat. Okay. I am very excited to be on your show. you know, like I was just telling you, I honor you for what you do. Like you speak your mind, you speak the truth and you give guidance to people where they need it. So I just, you know, like-minded people, right? Like I try to surround myself with that. Um, so my journey started, um, well, my journey started many years ago when I was born, I guess, but, uh, I realized I was on a journey, I would say, but in 2007, I had spent 21 years suicidal. Um, I was a cutter in my teens. I was in a mental hospital for two months, um, because I was on suicide watch. And, um, you know, I just, I had a means to an end that I always had an exit plan. And my exit plan was to take my life in 2015. And by the grace of God, I, I was led to Tony from an acquaintance. Like I didn't even know her at the time, but, um, you know, she's like, it would make my year if you went to Tony and I'm like, who's this guy? Like I had this job. I just started, I was the director of a mental health, um, institution here in my area. And, um, you know, you just kind of think like, this is my job. I have a nine to five job. This is what I'm going to do. And when I raised my children, um, I was, I got married really young at 18, looking for someone to love me because I didn't know how to love myself. And we had two amazing children who are now 27 and 22. And I was just waiting for them to graduate because I was divorced. I didn't want them to go back to live with their father. I felt like my model of the world was, oh, at 18, they've graduated. I've done my job. The youngest one was graduating in 2016. So I'm like, I am out. Like I can finally be done with this life. You know, I've done everything I've ever wanted to do. I've gone to college. I've had a job. I've had kids. I am out. And in 2007, everything changed for me. You know, I went to an event um, that Tony was having and I made a contract with myself that suicide was not an option anymore. And I get chilled every time I say it, because I honestly, I think that was the most hardest decision I ever had to make in my life. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what life was going to be on the other end. And we all know that have been to events, whether it's Tony or landmark or any of those places, you know, mind Valley, like we all come out like, yeah, I got this. I'm going to do this. And then like three days later, you're like, fell off a cliff. Yeah. Where is that oomph anymore? Where's that move? And you make your move and it feels good, but then you get back into reality and there's another problem. And like, When you, when you see problems, that's all you ever see. And when you see solutions, you'll start to see all that too. And, um, I lived in a very military town here in North Carolina. I would go out, I would drink, um, I would smoke. I was on antidepressants. I was on any anxiety medicine. And I just started to take baby steps. Like I got myself off my meds. I stopped the 10 years of therapy. I love my therapist, but I was like in therapy for 10 years. I remember being on stage with Tony. Um, I wasn't supposed to be because I did not buy Master University all up front. I did a payment plan because I only had $20 to my name, by the way. So when people are like, oh, I don't have the money, yep. uh, I'm going to call BS right there because either did I. 
And if I can go from making only $20,000 a year or $25,000 a year to making six figures, anybody can do it. it. Yep. And so I remember on stage and they're like, okay, don't hug his neck because he, you know, he's had surgery. And so I, I like, he's like six, seven, I'm five, five. And I'm looking up at him and I'm like, I just need to tell you that 10 years of therapy couldn't do what you've done for me. And I want to live. And he's like, can I hug you? And I'm like, me, you want to hug me? Like, you got to understand just because I did UPW doesn't mean that I like knew my worth. I knew I was like, it was just the the, the tipping point of there is a possibility. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to die right this second. So maybe I'll think of another plan. How do do I hug? Like, do I hug him? How do I hug him? (laughs) And he just like like, hugged me. And I'm like, oh, that's how you hug him, you know? And to feel that man's energy. Yep. I'm sure. He definitely is a performer because he needs to get that emotional connection to us. Right. However, like if you knew his heart, if you just felt his energy, it was just absolutely amazing. And I knew at that moment that I was on the right path. And so I fully immersed, I did all his programs in the first year. And then I did all his leadership at that. And then I became a senior leader. I did his fire team and just keeping back. And like, people say, why do you crew? Why do you crew? Why do you crew? Um, because I needed to be in an environment that understood the changes I was making in my life. And it seemed like I was so judged out here, like what I was doing, like, are you in a cult? Like Mm -hmm. my family thought that my friends are like, wow, because I stopped going to the bars. Like you just had to make changes in your life. And, you know, Tony says, surround yourself by who you want to be. And so I definitely didn't want to find my life partner in a bar because I didn't want drinking drugs or any of that in my life. I, I, I quit smoking. I quit all my medication and I just kept coming back. I just kept coming back because it felt good to serve others and to know that I was in the right space at the right time. And I would just take away little nuggets each time. So, you know, I didn't have to be that person like, okay, now what, now what is I'm going to crew the next event that's in two months. And then I'm going to crew that event that's in two months. And I just kept that momentum. And and I was 80,000 in credit card debt and then add another about 20,000 from all the crewing senior leaders, you pay for everything. Right. And I can say that 10 years later, I was out of debt. I paid everything off and, you know, I, I, I found what my niche was. And, you know, when you start to look at your past and say, my past is my path to my greatness. Mm. And you stop looking at your past as, oh, I made that mistake and I should have done that and shame on me for that. I mean, I was in the, um, I can't even say it right, the batter women's syndrome relationships, one after the other, after the other, until I made a choice that I was worth more than that. And when they say, how do you get out of it? It's like Tony said, like you you live in a crazy eight. And the only way to get out of that is to break a pattern, is to break a behavior. And that's what I chose to do. And that's why I found the love of my life who had no idea who was Tony either. Like, he's just like, I like the way you talk. I like the way you, you know, like, oh, well, thanks. <laughs> do you like all of this? And um, so he's like, well, maybe I would do, you know, an event just to see what it's like, but I'm not going to travel all over the world with you. Okay. Let me just tell you this. <laughs> he ended up doing it. He was hooked. And now he's flying to Singapore, London. I haven't even done Singapore and London events. Right. And here my husband's going all over the world. Right. And I haven't even done it. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. What was that? So what, was what, what did you say about not going anywhere? Right. What? Yeah. And, um, wow. and then we, we ended up having twins that we both were not planned. And I always say they're the blessings that I didn't know that I deserved. Mm. And, um, you know, Samuel and Sage are their names. And no, she's not named after Sage Robbins. 
Um, she's just named after, cause she's my sage. She's the one that brings Aww. that breath of fresh air and that realization that, you know, um, if I want to do better, I got to be better. Yeah. And, um, you know, so now I looked at my path of my past of bullying, self-harm, suicide, and I'm like, well, that's, that's probably what I'm supposed to do. So doing Tony's work, I, I delve into that. I became a professional speaker. I've gone all over the world speaking in schools about self-harm, suicide, and bullying. I've always worked with kids. Like um, I was certified as an infant toddler family specialist for over 15 years in my state of North Carolina. And so I've always worked with families. I've always been about behaviors. Like when I was little, I wanted to be the psychologist that interviewed Dr. Lecter because I wanted to get into right. his brain. I mean, that would be an interesting interview. Wouldn't it though? Yep. Like, 100%. Why do you like people? Like yep. tell me what need that fulfills. Is right. It's a significant. What's happening here right now? Are you growing from eating the rain? Yeah. No, but seriously. Yeah. There's always been that fire, right? So Tony will say like, go into your past and like, what was that purpose? What was that fire? What lit you up? And so when I thought about that, I'm like, behaviors lit me up. And so I just started studying about behaviors and watching people's behavior patterns. And I can tell you, I started working with families and kids, but my pivotal moment, like you have that pivot. Yeah. I was speaking in Hawaii years ago and I was doing a tour in Hawaii and there was a girl that came up to me after I was done speaking. And she said to me, she, and she's crying, like bawling her eyes out. So I get on my knees. So I'm like totally eye level with her. I take her hands and I'm like, I see you. I just, I totally get chills when I say the story. And she said to me, and I said, so tell me what, what are you feeling right now? And she goes, today was my day. And I'm like, oh, okay, for what? And she goes, I was killing myself today. And I heard your talk and I live your life and I see what you're doing now. And that means that I need to see the gifts that I have because maybe I'll be doing and helping somebody. And wow. oh my gosh, like, and that's what they say. Like I get tears in my eyes when I talk about it. Yeah, I know. I'm like shivers from head to toe right now. Somebody, you know, when you speak to a crowd, it's like, if I could just touch one person, then, then it was worth it for me. Right. And that was that one person. And so I was so excited. I was so pleased that she was making a different plan. Cause I talked to her, I'm like, so what's your strategy? What's your plan? Right. Cause I wasn't just going to leave it there. Right. And, and she was explaining her, her family life to me. And I just got so sad and I was on, on the plane. And I remember thinking to myself, I got to get into homes. Like yeah. I got to get to parents. I self-esteem and self-worth start when we are young. Yep. It's how we're parented. It's like what we're told and what we believe. And like, I'm, I'm really into the, you know, the four agreements right now. And like the first one's impeccable words and way we use our words is our black magic. So like, if, you know, they were talking about a story, I was just reading about how a little girl was singing and her mom had a bad day and her mom had a headache and the singing was creating more headache. And she said to her daughter, she's like, shut up. You have an ugly voice. And that daughter took on that meaning and she never sang again and she became shy and she, it kind of took her voice away because she believed from the one person that's supposed to love her and know her truth gave her that. And that was her truth. So she grew up thinking that. And so it just gives even more power to what I do. And it's, I help parents reparent. I help kids to understand what worth and love look like. Like mm. if somebody said, Venu, feel your love, feel your worth. Like 14 years ago, I'd be like, what? Yeah. What does it look like? What does that feel like? It's like, if I said to you, Kara, like close your eyes and imagine a rose. What does it feel like? What does it smell like? And you've never seen a rose. How are you going to do it? Right. 
So I am now on a mission to help teenagers, help kids to regain what that even looks like and feels like and give them strategies to build that. And then going, working with parents to help them understand how do you take away the blame and shame? Like if you have a child that's doing something and it's not what you want them to do, you have a different expectation for them. Instead of saying, why did you do that? Ask them a better question. Like, what did it mean to you when you did Mm -hmm. that? What would you want to do differently? And what would you want to feel like differently? Like if that C doesn't feel good, then what do we need to do to support you? And what grade would feel good in A? Great, so what can I do? So you're still getting the same outcome, but now you're creating that open and safe, safe being the key word, trusting space for your kid to talk to you because there's no more judgment. Your, your kid starts to realize like, they're here to support me, not hinder me. Right. So that's what I'm doing. I'm working on a TV show right now with Amazing. my and my producer. It's called the In-Home Turnaround. For over seven years, I've been moving into homes with families for four days. So I do a, my own little intensify program with families. And then we coach afterwards to make sure that the changes are absolutely sustainable. Yep. You know, it's kind of like what you and I were talking about after you knew an event, how do you make it sustainable? Right. And I tell everybody, get a coach. And I'm sure you do too, yep. you know, get a coach to hold you accountable, to keep you on that action plan and stuff. And so I work with women. I work with women on general hospital. I have clients. I have clients that I've worked with that used to be in the white house. Like, because I work with those that are ready for the mind shift that are ready to do the work and are ready to create a better life and know that that is possible. Yep. And yep. so, um, so awesome. yeah, so my whole path has led me. Very cool. That's a lot. So let's talk a little bit about, so here's, what's interesting is like, so I, I, I mentioned, I have four daughters. Uh, my, my oldest is 33. She's my stepdaughter before everybody, everybody goes, you didn't have a 30. No, I didn't. I didn't birth her, but she, she might as well be mine. Um, from birth. So, so 33, 24, almost 20 and almost 12. And what's interesting when you're talking about um, there's a, I can, I'm escaping. I, I think her name is Dr. Frashani or something like that. She's like, I'll, I'll find it and I'll put in a link in it. But she, okay. So she says they're not ours. Like it's, they're not our possessions. Right. And like, so often, and this is part of what robs a girl, in my opinion, and boys of their feminine and masculine energy and their and the the balance that they can feel is because we do put all our shit on them for one. And we don't do it intentionally. Like most parents are doing it because we think that's the, the right way and all that. That's what but we like, were right. You know, and it, it's it's interesting when she said that I was like it because I I've I've raised my kids in the Tony Robbins environment for many, many years. So I have some sense of of it it gets deeper every event like you know you say why do we go to so many things why do we curb because I'm at a different tomorrow I'm going to be at a different place than I am today so it will land differently on me but it's interesting when she says that because so many people put this expectation parents in particular put an expectation on the child to do this this and this but when you really sit with like that kid's not mine it's not my possession and I'm here to make sure she doesn't get hit by a car or make sure she doesn't get God. raped or all the things that's okay. it. And like, and I think that, you know, the work I do is, is working with um, mission driven female entrepreneurs in particular, pulling them out of doing the thing they hate because somewhere along the way they were conditioned to think I have to do this and I have to do that. And that definitely comes from that, that parent conditioning so talk a bit about like you know do you see that happening with young women and I mean women girls are cutting like one of our kids has done that we lost a baby six years ago and 
she did not know how to handle it. So that was her response. We managed it well. Everything was, she came to me right away and said, I don't know why I did this. I, I, yeah, th- I read I it online. So I did it and I go, did right. it help? Well, no. And I said, so like, maybe no, let's figure another strategy. Solution. So yeah. So you brought like, so, you know, Dr. Shivali talks a lot about conscious parenting and I actually am like, take the labels off. Like we have enough labels that we're trying to be and yeah. if there's another label, like, am I the conscious parent in the first day that you're right. not? It's like, yeah. oh, shit for me. So take the labels off. Be the, I always say, be the parent your kids need you to be. And like, I have a six week program that I'm getting ready to launch called Crack the Code on Parenting. And, you know, in my second week, it's like letting go of the baggage, open up the bag, open up the bag, right. see what's great and see what's not. If you grew up not feeling good enough and all that stuff was put on you, you are parenting through those eyes too. You need to let it go and see through fresh eyes and parent through fresh eyes. And like with cutting, there's two reasons that I have found. And if somebody can find a third, I'll, I'll, I'll explore it. But right now I'm going to go with my two. The reason I cut is because the pain was so deep. Like I literally felt it in my heart. So when I learned how to cut, it put the pain on the outside. So mm-hmm. I didn't have to feel on the inside and it gave me a moment to breathe. So it kind of yep. numbed that pain inside. My book is called numb, by the way. The second reason why I find that kids cut is because they're so numb by yep. everything going on. They rather feel something than feel nothing. Yep. And so when I ask kids, you know, if I gave you a suggestion of the why behind it, because I don't ask kids, why do you do that? I'm very about not saying that because when you ask your kid why it's, well, it's like an accusation yeah, yeah. Accusatory, right like why did you do that well I don't know why I did that because I wanted the freaking cookie that's why I stole it like I don't know you know so like there's a better way to ask the why question but I do say if I gave you two samples what would be your why behind it and I said unless you have a different one and I always tell kids I'll be open to hearing a different one I will say nine times out of ten they will tell me it's the same reason I cut is that the pain was so deep within, they wanted to feel it. They wanted to transpose right. it somewhere else. And there was a part of me that, you know, like your daughter said, it didn't really do anything, but it probably did something in that moment. Right. But that minute of being outside of what had happened in her life did not overcome that as soon as she was done with that, it's like, oh, I'm back to reality. Like this right. is still happening in my life. So it's better to solve so I always tell parents, you got right. to get to the cause. Like yeah. if you want to stop the cutting, get to the cause of it. If you want to stop the suicidal, like suicide is not just, oh, they have no self-worth, self-love. Like that's a part of it. But why? Because they feel lonely. Right. They feel absolutely yeah. lonely. They either feel lonely, they don't belong to somebody. They don't, they don't have that in, intimate connection with their parents that they transfer to somebody else when they're adults. They don't have that intimate, like real friendship with somebody. And for me, it was being belonged. And that's probably why I stuck to crew because like you yep. can be anybody you want to be and crew's going to accept you. You could do the most heinous crime in the world, but if you're ready to change and you have a mindset that change, people are going to support you through it. They're not right. going to judge you for it, yep. you know? And so that's why, I mean, to be honest, I think that crew had a lot to do with me keeping that contract with myself, not to right. commit suicide because I felt like I belonged for the first time in my life. Yep. And that I, I would second that, like, and when it comes, so one thing I'll say with, with our daughter is the fact that, I mean, she's very pragmatic, right? So for her, she recognized, like, I just tried this because I thought maybe this would help me not feel so sad that my brother died, you know, because that's 
she was, she was 14 at the time. She would be in bed rest with me. She felt him kicking. She was really the, out of all the kids, she was the one who connected the most deeply with me. I was super nauseous. And she was like, she, that kid's energy. I can't like, whoo, gives me shivers. Like so good. So I wanted her near me when I wasn't, when I was on bed rest and trying to keep the baby in there and all that. But, and then her, her, so her coming to talk to us was beautiful. And I think one thing that's important as a parent is not to panic, like panic elsewhere. Cause I did, I had a moment of, holy shit, like, is this real? And, and just taking some deep breaths in the moment and not judging them because like when I was that age, we would drink or we would get high. We wouldn't cut, cut was cutting was not a thing you did. It was very, um, like I'm sure people did it, but it was not like, you know, kids can Google anything. Right. And a lot of them are like how self-harm and then a fucking whole list comes up for them. Right. Like the other thing too, is we got her into her body. Right. So we, we all got a membership at the gym that we still belong to now. And she went with my husband and they did kickboxing and she thrived. And anytime she would start, she would come out of the, out of mind and out of self and just start to let that energy. And then she would talk about, and and I mean, it was a baby died. Like we all fucking felt it. I was in bed for two weeks. Like there's no way around that. We, that's what Tony says is beautiful state is like, own it, feel it. You can move on with it. That's it. The more you try, like we say, like, so I'm a, I'm a Diksha giver, blessing giver. And one of the things I learned is that we're on this wave of emotion, right? We're just sitting on that wave. And we always try to jump off the wave because we don't right. want to do it. Right? If we just ride the wave out. Yep. What happens? It becomes neutral again. Yep. And we're so busy trying to jump off the wave, read a book, talk to a friend, right? Snap out of it, go exercise instead of just saying, you, you know, know what? I need to sit with this. That's it. Like this was a soul that I lost. And I right. just sit and I'm going to grieve and I'm going to see the, the gift in this. I'm going to see the greatness in this. And I'm also going to see the loss in this. And yep. I'm going to come out. Okay. Because yep. of that. So good yep. for you. Good. And interesting. You just said the, um, the blessing. So I actually just had a guest on the, um, on the podcast. I I'm doing a ton of recording today. So she was just on, and we literally just talked about the oneness blessing and we, we were talking. Uh, so for the listeners who don't know, it's at date with destiny and it's like, it's almost indescribable. It is, um, like the, where I discovered my feminine energy was at my date with destiny, like where I really physically got it was when we were dancing. And I, I make jokes that I left my proverbial penis in West Palm beach in 2019. I love it. Um, so, but during my oneness blessing, so my parents are passed as well. And I don't know who I, it was actually Dipti and I'm sure you know her. She, She's like, I love her. My God. She like, whatever best, ever, ever, ever with her was, and I wasn't crewing, I was participating. And so the oneness blessing came. And so basically we sit down and Tony and Sage are on the stage and they, you know, they have the gong and it's very, it's a beautiful experience. And Tony really says like, go in with zero expectations. Some people see God, some people see this, some people just go in, we do the blessing. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to chill. And this is going to be my experience and whatever. Receive. That's the only, that's the only thing they say is just be open to receive whatever comes. Yeah. And holy did I receive. So I was sitting there and I, and I was telling the story, I was sitting there facing the stage. And then by the end of it, I was way to my left. Like I, I did, it wasn't totally subconscious. And then I'm sure it was Dipti. She came in and put her hands on my head and she did the blessing. And my dad showed up on my right side. He was standing above. I could feel him right there. And then my mom was 
20 years younger than she was when she died. Her hair was long. She was on a beach and she was holding my son who was two for some reason. He wasn't a baby. And uh, it was so like in that moment, I was like, all right, they're good. She like, she smiled at me like, we're good. We're having a great time over here. I've got the, your boy. It's all good. And oh he was, I got like, I I so powerful. You know, and the blessing is, it's like my husband's a blessing giver, but my also, my husband also does pranic healing. Like he's been learning with master. I love and like, I remember the first time that he went and he did a blessing at a date with destiny years ago, his wedding ring fell off. And so afterwards we all went back to the back of the room. Cause we all like, if you are, if you are a certified Diksha giver, they'll Tony will invite us to come out because there's too many people. Right. So he wants as many people that have been certified to come do this. Right. And my husband's like, where's my wedding ring? I'm like, I don't know. Where is your wedding Where ring? Where is your wedding ring, buddy? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, back then, like there was like cement underneath some of the chairs, right? Like where he's done in at, you know, um, at convention centers, like there's no carpet right there. And his ring was spinning. Like when you take a quarter and you flick it, it was just spinning under, he can't get his wedding ring off. Like it's stuck on there. So that's what was confusing. And he didn't feel it come off. And wow. the last place he did a, a blessing, it was spinning underneath her chair. Oh, you just gave me crazy goosebumps. And I met my husband through a blessing giving like, wow. In June of 2011, I had a blessing and it said, you're going to meet the person you're going to marry in July. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. (laughs) Okay. You know, I've been single for nine years, but okay. And then I went and had a blessing done the next week. because it was at a a church that I would go to and they were very specific. It was somebody I already knew it was going to be on July 4th. We were going to start dating. And that would be the person I met. Um, all my plans changed July 1st. I'm just fast forwarding the story. Um, I met my husband on July 1st on July 4th. We started dating and we are now married. Um, we've been together for 10 years now. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. It's a powerful thing though. If this is not between Kara and me, if this is not have like told you, like convinced you about blessings, go get one. Like they're amazing. It's yeah. I'm healing in general. Like it's, it's, I, I had a healing with a friend of mine who, um, who she's also been on the podcast. She came to my house to do it. And same thing. Like I, when you talk about belonging, that hits me right between the eyes because I, I'm a product of two alcoholic parents and, you know, they had their challenges. I got taken from them when I was 15 because they were just acting up. And, you know, my awareness, even at that age and younger of this isn't how families are supposed to operate. Like there's supposed to be more love here. I think I'm not sure, but I think so. <laughs> you know, like t- you, you talk about kids hearing the thing my mom told me when I was 13 you'll never be pretty you might be attractive but you might be not you won't be pretty and I was like what the fuck does that mean and at 45 I'm still like I I still like don't what is that yeah well it's like when I was growing up I'd always hear when you get older when you get older you're gonna be beautiful when you get older I want to be pretty now I want to be beautiful (laughs) now am I did I make it yet like am I old like is, is this a criteria like oh well, you what? are stunning so if that's any consolation but yes I feel you I feel you but you know it's the same thing it's like when we hear it in that moment and that becomes our truth right those are the eyes we see and so I think it's Wayne Dyer has said this and my coach had told me this a few months ago now I use it all the time is like when you what what when you change what you see what you see changes right and it is so true like when you yeah. start to see like you know what my life is not shit anymore my life is amazing. All of a sudden it is amazing being hit by all the amazing things. And you're like, wait, I'm in flow. Right. How, how am I in flow? Because what you saw has changed. Yep. Yep. And that, and, and yeah, so, and that leads me back to the to blessing. I was like, 
just this insatiable need to belong to something. I couldn't figure it out. And it was part of, again, the masculine feminine, which is what I teach on. It's like, I didn't feel safe from 10 years old, probably. That was when it really started to like, when I look back and then through this blessing, I was like, because she's like, well, what, you know, can you think of an age? And I was like, yeah, like when I was 10, I was in the kitchen with my mom and I, and this, I have this memory of like being terrified. Like, what are you doing? Like she was drunk and she was on different drugs and like, I was just like, what is happening? And so when I did this healing, both my parents flanked me again, they came to visit and like my mom was on my right side. And I can tell you never in my life have I ever felt safe. And that second, and she, the healer didn't know anything about anything. And after we talked about it, she said, oh yeah, your mom was there and your dad was there. And I was like, yeah, a hundred percent they were. And I just had this my, my stomach feels in knots a lot of the time, which is a common thing with, you know, this, our upbringings. And it felt, it went away, totally went away. And I was like this. And so, yes, again, if you're not convinced by doing some type of healing work and blessings, then, well, I don't know what to tell you because <laughs> it's a, it's another, beautiful work. There's another trainer with me. Her name's Melissa Riston. And she, oh, I love her. She's oh, also God, Melissa, one of my favorites. She work. Like she coaches, right? So she, she gets rid of women's blocks so they can see their true essence. And she, you talk about amazing, like yep. this is amazing at what she does. So love her. just giving more resources out to find people. Like if you're out there and you just have blocks, like I send a lot of my clients to her just to, because even though I can feel energy, I don't do what she does. Right. No, so she's, her, she's, she's palpable. I tell everybody stay in your lane. Yep. Stay in the gift that God has given you. Stay in that genius. Like my yep. genius is definitely working with parenting and kids and mamas, right? With that yep. helping moms shift that identity to know that they're more than just a mom. You know, oh, okay, wait, let's pause there. Let's talk about that because that drives <laughs> crazy. Like, and P.S. Ladies who are mothers, if you think you're feminine just because you're a mom, you're not. You're not in flow. Like, so many mothers are so deeply in their wounded masculine, not just masculine, but wounded masculine, because we have to keep our shit together. Our kid will die. And so you get this energy and then like Vinu, you know, like with the the husband, right? You're not, you think you're parenting your husband. And he's like, what the fuck? What do you mean? Like, I'm I'm a grown ass man. I don't need you to give me my sippy cup. Like let's do it. My house yesterday. I mean, I swear. I just heard that same language. Yeah telling you like honestly right so talk a little bit about mothers because we do wear this again we wear this badge of like I'm in charge and I have but you can't be in that zone all the time because mom I was Kara way before I was mom right I will be Kara forever I think we forget that because society puts this badge like we're the hero well we Mm. need to be hero and so we think being the hero is doing 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 well when you're doing you're in your your masculine and what we're you know what we're doing we're trying to heal the, the, you said it beautifully with the wounded masculine in us. We're trying to shine. We're trying to be seen and heard through getting everything done and being seen for that and being the martyr, right. you know, like, I mean, that's how I see my mom, even my mom still to this day is the martyr. It's like, mom, I'll come, I'll help. You know, like everybody had COVID, my grandma, my, I'm like, I'll come. No, no, you need to be there with the kids. I'll do this. And I'm like, mom, no, I can come. Like the kids are good. Brian's home with the kids. I can come. No, no, no. You need to, right. you know, because she just needs to know that she was strong enough to take care of it. Like, yeah. but you can have your strength in the feminine, like the strength, oh, strength absolutely. is so beautiful, but it's grounded. 
Mm-hmm. It's the flow. It's yeah, you get stuff done, but it's not because you have to, it's because you get to. Yeah. You know? And the pace is so beautiful in that it, zone it is. too, isn't it? Yeah. That's it. Like it's really, really about the pace. It's about the compassion. It's about the empathy because we've got to remember us feminine creatures are emotional and we need to own that. The vulnerability is the most beautiful strength that us women actually possess. And when a man is vulnerable, why do we want to fall their our knees for them? Because it pulls us into like, wow, I'm familiar with that. I want to help. I we're the ones that help the wounded bird. Yep. You know, where the guy's like, oh, it's hurt. Kill it. Get it out of its misery. You know, yeah. right. But wait, but wait, it's, it's right. still, you know, it's still chirping. It still has a chance. Right. You know, um, so we, we, we are like the healers and they're like the, the solvers. Right. right. And so like as a mom, we have to take time to go into like our womb. Like that's to me where we feel it. Like, and I just did this beautiful practice with another trainer, uh, Kathleenna, and she spent three hours taking us through, you know, where do we feel that? And like, we put our hand on our womb and we just breathed into that. And so just as a strategy to your listeners, like if you ever want to really feel what it's like, take that moment, put your hand on your womb. And it doesn't matter if you had a baby or not, if you're feminine and you're female, you have a womb. And, um, and you know what, I don't want to leave anybody out. If you're a transgender and like you have gone into that feminine, you work wherever you feel it in your body, cause you create that then put your hand on that and just breathe into that. Just breathe into that for one minute, 60 seconds, inhaling through your nose, exhaling through your mouth and really visualize just that area of your body, just, you know, taking that breath in and breathing it. And in that moment, you will feel what feminine power feels like, not looks like we're so busy. You know, what does it look like? What does it look like? But when you're in the feminine, what does it feel like? Mm. What would that feel like? to do that? What would it feel like to be a part of that? And I really think that that in itself is more power than any of the doing. And that's when us mamas can really look at and say, like, like you have, you know, four girls, you said, I have three and two of them I get every other weekend because they're my stepdaughters, but like you, like, uh, I love them. They're mine. Um, But I do have a daughter here full time and she is watching. Mm -hmm. And I definitely see some of the masculine in her and the alpha, alpha female in her. And I'm like, wow. And it's my mirror. It's right. my mirror. And so it was interesting because they had like Dr. Seuss week and they can either dress up at the college they want to go to or the career they want to. And I, during the, the summer, I, I wear like these beach pants and like tops and she has some outfits like that. She goes, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to dress up because I want to inspire the world. I'm going to be sage inspires because my company is being inspired. Right. So I was like, oh, that's, that's cute. Aww. She went to school. She made me curl her hair that day and she dressed up and she came back and I said, well, how was your day? And she goes, I told everybody I was a coach. And I <laughs> oh my God. That's the best thing I've heard all day. And I'm like, well, good for you. Good for you. Because I didn't even know that she kind of knows what I do. Right. Because I have my door closed and I'm coaching and stuff, but she gets it. Yep. She gets it, even though I'm not telling her, but she gets it. So, and she, and she said it in such a beautiful flowing way, you know, like I want to change lives. Oh. And so, um, you know, it just goes back to when we're that mom and we just, we're in our flow. Yep. That's where our kids see us. Yep. yep. It's it. Th- I love all of that. It's like, well, it's all squishy and beautiful and it's, and it, <laughs> but it is our responsibility, right? Like I know I, I, um, I taught 
two of them like so amanda is my 33 year old so she came to us when she was we met her when she was 13 and she it wasn't until she was in her 20s where she like actually moved in with us and we got to have that time with her and her and i are like this now and and she's the big sister she's the head honcho of all the other littles but like sydney and olivia who are my and amelia's as well but my biological children i raised them because i was single mom i was like with with sydney not with olivia but i was like don't ever don't you don't need a man for anything you can do you're a super independent woman and I had the whole narrative never need a man for anything and so what did that do I taught my daughters to be in their wounded masculine Mm -hmm. and so the way it shows up and so ladies gentlemen same thing like the way it shows up for your teen or your young female adult is that if a guy does something or in the past if they did something very sweet for my kids this was their reaction my god he's such a wuss like ew it makes me feel so like why is he so cheesy and I was like say what because once I got really into this last two three years of, of doing the work for my own feminine energy I was like oh shit now I know what's happening and so I had oh to go God. back and I really yeah. did I said girls I gotta tell you something and they're like you know what'd you say I said I'm sorry uh mommy got it wrong and this is how because when you're in flow and someone gives you a chocolate bar or you're in flow and someone brings you something, you're like, oh my God, you're the best man in the whole entire world. Oh my God, I love you. But when you're in your masculine, you're like, you get the, you know, heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Or like, for example, and this is one of my biggest pet peeves is like, I don't need you to hold the door open for me. No, but he wants to let right. him be your hero. Right. Right. And, and you, moms, like you're teaching your son, you know, when, and, and Vina, you like, jump in but like I see these women who do everything for their sons and you're teaching them nothing and what I mean by that is if you teach him to change a light bulb let's say he's seven or eight or ten or whatever and he changes let him know he's your hero he will get addicted to being the hero in this beautiful masculine way a hundred percent Mike's son opens my door for me in yep. the car. my son will open the whole doors for other people at stores beautiful they, you know, but he also sees my husband doing it. Right. My husband will serve me before my husband sits down to eat. Right. Like my husband will be like, you know, do you, do you need anything else? You know, what are you drinking tonight? Water. Okay. Here it is. You know? And I'm like, are you going to come eat? He's like, no, you go ahead. Like I got this. And it doesn't even matter if I made the meal. Right. Like he will always take the last meal. Cause he wants to make sure his wife and his kids have food. Like yep. now that that's they're king. But I want him, yeah, and I, and my son emulates that. My son sees his dad, you know, always looking after me, like, you know, um, complimenting me, like, (laughs) this is a jokester, so he's constantly joking on me, but my son sees that too, and like, you know, um, and what, it it melts my heart when he tells his twin sister, like, Sage, you can go first this time. Oh, that right. You know, or like if they're rushing up the stairs, he's like, fine, you can go before me. Right. You know, it's like these little things and I'm like, right. oh, they're learning. That is so good. And, yeah. but I praise the behavior I want to see. Like right. I praise him for that. Like I want him, whether he grows up to like girls or boys, I don't care, but whoever he shows up for show up. Show for up. Yep. Yep. No. Amazing. Amazing. He's so, already blasted through an hour. 
and uh, we could do this. I'm like this one of those times. I'm like, I could talk to her for six hours. Um, quickly tell people where they can find you. And, um, and that's, that's it. Then we get a wrap. So yeah. So I'm all over social media under Vino Inspires. Um, on my Instagram, I do have a link tree. If you just go to link, link tree um, slash Vino Inspires, um, you'll get all like podcasts and stuff I've been on my website, everything, but everything is Vino Inspires. I made it really easy. Thank you. Um, and like everybody wants the free ebook right now. Um, it is on Amazon published. It's teach your children that they're enough. Mm. And, um, but it's a free ebook on my website. So if you just go to be slash ebook, please download it. It's a quick read, um, but it gives you like three ways that you can take action now to building your child's self-worth. Mm-hmm. And there's also like a little, um, like a little survey in there to see if your child has self-esteem. So, you know, it's always like, oh, I'm going to ask my kid these questions. Yeah. You might be a little bit in awe that they're, they don't have it, you know? Right. Right. Because your kid's a cheerleader and a straight A student yeah. and she's popular does not mean she has self-esteem. That's More it. than likely she does not. It's yeah. a mask. Yeah. Just a hint. Oh, wow. That was amazing. I so appreciate you coming on. Um, I know you're busy. And so thank you for, for spending the hour with me. Um, and yeah, well, like, hopefully we can hug in person in the not too distant future. Cause I'm dying, dying for it. So yeah, thank you. I love you sister. And I will uh, see you next time. Bye. Yes. Bye.